Well, hi there, everybody. Welcome to episode 63 of the Finger Guns podcast. I want to say 63. I think it's 63. My name is Roscoe. How are you doing? And I'm joined, as ever, by Mr. Greg Hooks. Good evening. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Um, Stalking a little bit because I should be enjoying what was going to be an amazing Hellfest lineup in France. Uh, It should be day four now, but I'm not there. Soak, soak. Otherwise, yeah, I'm fine. Terribly sorry for that. (laughs) Well, you're not the one that caused the pandemic, so I'm not going to blame you. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Mr. Toby Anderson. Evening. How are you, mate? I'm good, actually, thanks. Yeah, had a good, uh, good weekend so far. Good. You've played lots of games this week. I'm looking forward to getting into it. I, I really have. I think, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to spread them out over the course of the pod. <laughs> and of course, Mr. Sean Davies. Howdy. How are you, mate? All right? I'm good, yeah. I need to tell you about my food story this week. Of course. Sean's food uh, story of the week. <laughs> I had marmalade on toast, digestive biscuits. How freaky are them? I literally just had my own. Oh, the marmalade biscuits. Like they're called yeah. marmalade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've tried them, and they do weirdly taste like they taste like marmalade on toast scrapings, don't they? Like yeah, someone's yeah. just made the flavour, and that's that's what they've mixed into the biscuit mix. Yeah, I that one. I was like, huh, this tastes exactly like marmalade on toast, but with the wrong complexion that's, in my mouth. Yeah, yeah. The con- like uh, it is well weird. I also had the cherry bake rolls as well, which would taste oh, exactly nice. like cherry bake rolls. So this this we are into a weir- weird world for biscuits right now. <laughs> All right. Marmalade on toast biscuits. Anyway, Marmalade sorry. on toast biscuits. I have an imperial leather, which is cherry bakewell. And but you're so, not eating that, are you? I'm not eating it. No, I'm, I'm lathering it upon myself. And I come out. <laughs> oh, you had to be weird. <laughs> by stretching out, stretching out the L, didn't you? Not, not, not yet shower gel. Just oh, oh, lather. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, you come out of the shower smelling like a cherry bakewell tart. It's really nice. Do you think you come out of any shower smelling like a tart? So. Hey! But I'm sh- <laughs> Thank you, I'm here all night. Sweet. Right. Uh, Paul, unfortunately, cannot join us uh, tonight. He's doing Father's Day things with his dad, so that's cool. And so we're going to stick together with our parents that we can't see and just be all together instead. We have oh, I can Sean see, here. I can Sean's see mine. Kind of I, just, I can see mine. I just don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> one's sounds, one's sounds downstairs. Well, no, really one's dark. downstairs. The other one lives across town. <laughs> and I see him at work. <laughs> yeah, and we have Sean. I, I do have do have a, a bone to pick with with okay. all of you because I haven't received a single fingers Father's Day present from any of my finger guns children. Not a single Father's Day wish. Are the finger guns? If I yeah, sent you a card saying thank you for being a massive finger, that would be a bit weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, that would be exactly what I expect from you. To be honest, <laughs> that would be peak Greg. Yeah. All right, let's get into what we've been playing. And I'm going to start with uh, Mr. Greg Hicks. What have you been playing this week, sir? I have finished the campaign for Call of Duty World at War 2. Hey! Not World at War 2, sorry, World War 2. Yes. Finished the campaign of that. I really enjoyed it. It's not going to make me go into sort of Call of Duty revisionist history and play the rest of them, but I really enjoyed that one. I finished the last DLC on spider-man because it was one of the missions i remember getting stuck because it was just a massive wave of enemies and i put it off for a while so i went back and did that finished pretty much all the trophies the only two i've got left to do are the uh, new game plus and new game plus and ultimate difficulty but you can't start a new game plus until you finish the main story again and i kind of can't be bothered because i'm like halfway through it so i can't be bothered to play it through like a, a another full game and a half maybe one day i mean the fact that it's on 97% on the trophies is going to annoy me. I have also been playing Last of Us 2, which, yeah, we'll, we'll get into. 
I've gone back to Hitman 2, the 2018 version on the Xbox because I was talking about it with um, someone the other day and it made me just want to pick it up again. And because I've left it so long, I really can't remember how to play Hitman. Like I used to be really good at it. I, I aced Blood Money, but yeah, so that's a learning curve again. And I've been playing the two review games I've got for the Switch. I've got Urban Trials Tricky, which is fun. Which I need to play more of that. And I've been playing Behold the Kick... And was it no? Is it what's it called? Behold the Kickman. Behold the Kickman. Behold, the, Behold Kickman. the Kickman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is it's an absolute riot, and I'm sure you can attest to that, Ross. But uh, uh, yes, I'm having a very good time with it. But yeah, so my review will be up for that soon. I've got to play a bit more of that. So yeah, two quick and breezy arcadeish games, really. Not much to talk about that I won't put in the review. So yeah, that's pretty much been my week. Nice. I remember I started uh, World War Two after it became free on yep. PSN, and. <laughs> I couldn't get off the beach for Oh really? I wanna say I wanna say an hour. <laughs> I sucked so hard doing? at it. It was just that very first bit when you have to just get just get yeah, from yeah, one part of the beach. Between the barricade. Yeah. 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 Just couldn't do it. Oh okay. Just could not do it. I was like, Oh, this is driving me crazy. And I've got, you know, bloody Josh Deschamel shouting at me. And yeah. oh, it he was does not he does not get better in that game. <laughs> it was just I mean, too much. I got past it in the end, but I, I didn't play much more after that. It didn't I'd say like st- it was mine. stick with it. It's a very good campaign. Okay. But um yeah, I mean like just the performances in it, like Josh Demel, uh some other actors whose names I can't remember immediately. But yeah, it's a real I think they've obviously cribbed from like Band of Brothers, the whole camaraderie thing in, in what is essentially another World War Two game. Yeah. But yeah, it was it didn't like bring me to tears or anything, but I finished it and I was like, damn, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's kind of like the forgotten Call of Duty game. And yeah. turns out, maybe one of the better campaigns. Yeah, I'd there. say so, yeah. Nice. Mr. Sean Davies, what random PSN game have you found this week? I haven't played any random PSN games this week. <clears throat> I know, I'm sorry. Um, but I did play Waking, which I published a review of. It's on the website. And wow, that game is a brilliant concept. So the, the game is basically, you, you play as yourself. The game asks you to write down your own name as the character name. And it reminds you of that every like 30 seconds because, for example, on my screen, it was always going, Sean. And it was, it really got fucking annoying after about three hours. You're just like, you're not making this any more personal by saying my name over and over and over again. But basically the game asks you to, it's like a, like a roguelike, like dungeon, Dark Soulsy action game with combat that's so clunky that it, it makes, everything else it tries to do just poor but the concept of itself so you make these decisions it basically says like what what was your dog's name what was it was it a, sorry what was your pet's name was it a dog or a cat uh what kind of breed was it how old was it how big was it and basically you had to pick from these little diamonds that are scattered around and there's quite a lot of options to pick from and you pick you pick up these diamonds and you you basically get that version of the pet in the game the game is not fun. It, it tries to, it makes, it asks you to make these decisions and the, the, the changes are only cosmetic and it really tries to railroad you down this particular path. Um, it, like for example, one, you, you fight against this enemy called Somnus, who's like the God of sleep trying to kill off your brain while you're in a coma. And um, he says, do you want to step into the light or do you want to fight back against me? So I, I was, I thought I'd just be cheeky and go, do you know what? Let's end it here. I will step into the light. And it allows you to tr- attempt to it and attempt to do it, and then it kind of pulls you back and says, "No, no, fight against it." And I was like, "Well, 
why did you give me the fucking choice in the first place if I can't actually make the choice? You know, if, if you're going to allow somebody to make the choice, allow them to make the choice. It's bad. There's a review on the website if you really want to go into how bad the game is. I played a bit of Spellbreakers, which I'm not entirely sh- sure I'm allowed to talk about, Ross. Am I allowed to talk about Spellbreakers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been out for a couple of months. So it's just... Uh... We seem to have got a code on like a second round of uh, press. So yeah, go for it. I'm I'm very impressed with um, the way that the game is put together. It's obviously trying to kind of piggyback on the back of like Fortnite. There's a bit of Fortnite action in there, but it's it's a game that's uh, very it's very focused. So you you have spells that you use, but you can combine them. So you know if you've got like a, a poison spell and a fire spell, you can fire out a big cloud of poison and then send out fire which then blows up the cloud of poison it's it's like a, a game which is far more tactical than fortnite but it's obviously very much in the vein of fortnite i think it's got a really good chance of becoming a decent um battle royale game if if it finds the right audience uh, yeah i agree because it, it feels really well made and it seems really cool um and on that note i've been playing a lot of fortnite uh, so I played most most of today's Father's Day today. So I've been playing Fortnite with the kids today. We got a couple of battle royals, which is which is good. Yeah, the the new season's great. They flooded the map, and I don't really want to talk about it because I know it'll kill everyone. But it's 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 a great it's a great battle royale, and I, I don't understand the hate for it. Like completely changed gaming culture, and I think everyone needs to get on board, especially Greg. One day we should dedicate an entire podcast to battle royales. <laughs> cool. Just let me know, and I won't be here for that one. <laughs> yeah, I've been playing golf on Mars, which is the successor to Desert Golfing. Came out on mobile this week. It's basically the same thing, but it's got more mechanics. So I don't know if anyone's ever played Desert Golfing, but it's like two D golfing. You have a ball on top of a, like a landmass, and you have to put the ball in the hole by like pulling your finger back like Angry Birds and putting spin on the ball and kind of that kind of thing. This is a game which has something like 27,000 holes to complete. And there's some big changes from Desert Golfing because Desert Golfing was always in within a frame. So your starting position and the hole would always be within a frame. If you went off the frame, you'd just lose that shot. But within this game, it's all one long landmass. So if you overshoot your, your hole, and, and you, when you're going for your putt, you can spend like four or five shots trying to get it back. And there's like new mechanics. So there's like water, which can slow you down. And there's like a cactus you can fire into and stick to. It, it's very cool. And I'm going to try and review it. It's one of the few mobile games that I've ever played that just really gets into like a zen zone where you can just lose hours to it. And it, it's pretty cool. And lastly, I've been playing Beyond Blue, which is, came out a few weeks ago on PlayStation 4. It's already out on... Uh, everything else it's on apple arcade it's a game about diving into the sea and scanning animals and learning about nature it has taught me a lot like there are a lot of things i did not know about whales that I, that i do know it's it's a very good looking game it's got a decent storyline and i'll be putting a review up of it soon and apart from that i've been playing about 80 of the steam demo games in the steam summer fest but i'll talk about them later because i don't want to bore you with them now but yeah it's a uh, been a fun week, real fun week. Excellent. Thanks. Excellent. How about you? Video gaming goodness. Um, yes, I've also been playing Fortnite. Long-time listeners will attest to the fact that we always talk about playing games together and then never actually doing it. Well, Sean and I played Fortnite together this week. Yeah, we did. Wow. It didn't go particularly well. 
but we had a good time nonetheless. <laughs> I'm check, checking out the new um, the new map for the first time. I'm having a blast on a new map. It's it's really different. I mean, you've really got to think. You've really got to kind of adjust to the map now. It's all kind of mostly underwater, and it's taken me a while to get my head around it. But obviously, everything's in water, so you can move around the map a lot faster. Swimming is obviously a lot faster than running, and it's kind of half the map is underwater. The rest of it's still very similar to what it was before, apart from the odd thing here and there. But yeah, having a great time. I love the kind of the mini daily challenges now, which have replaced the challenges they had before. They were like 10,000 XP before, but now they're 14,000 XP. So that's, it's a nice way to level up. Um, I think I'm going to stick with it and see. We're doing some fun stuff on the battle pass this time around with Aquaman you can unlock. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, having a good time with it. And I've been playing Behold the Kickman. As Greg said, it's a football game for people that doesn't like, who don't like football. Um, designed by people who don't like football. It's a very funny kind of a send-up of the uh, the bravado of footballers and how kind of basic and simple it is really when you sort of break it down to some of its parts. But I'll let Greg's review kind of speak more on that. It's, yeah, it's a lot of fun and it's three pounds on the Switch. So go and get it. And that's about it, really. Kind of been sticking around playing all the usuals whilst holding off for The Last of Us to come out on Friday. And that's pretty much been my weekend. And... Yeah, also been playing Spongebob, of course. Uh, the embargo for this is today, or the day this goes up, but a little bit later, so I still can't really talk about it, which is kind of a shame. But my review will be up today on Monday. And yeah, you should keep an eye out for it, because I think it's, uh, it's going to be a good read, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Right then, it is time for... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most exhilarating, most exciting, most electrifying video game quiz in all the world! Hosting the Finger Guns Trivia Challenge. Lock up your daughters. Hold on to your butts and go absolutely uptown Funkatron for the smoothest cat in the entire podcast cosmos. It's the knowledge himself, Mr. Sean Davies! Hi, welcome to the quiz. Thank Today's you. quiz is all about 2010. All about 2010. 2010? 2010, a whole decade ago. Okay. So we're going to talk about games from that year. Um, and let's just do this. I'm going to ask some questions. These guys are going to answer. We're going to get the answers at the end of the quiz. Uh, sorry, the podcast. And uh, we'll see which one of these guys won. Toby has yeah. now won one, which gets him off the mark. Um, Greg is is still a little in the lead. Oh, really? And Roscoe mm. is... Yeah, it, it's just a little oh, in the can... lead. How boomy <laughs> on it. You've only been here for like four weeks. <laughs> you can't join in the last like mile of a marathon and then go, boo, they're winning. Uh, right. I don't know if you may notice this or not, but we've had to jump off Zoom and we have to Skype because we are having some real bad technical issues. So if, the, if you notice a difference in the audio, hopefully there won't be a massive difference. But if you do notice anything, we're very sorry about that. But technical issues abound. We were having some problems. So we've moved to a different recorder. And hopefully, hopefully this will be a little better. Right. To the quiz. Okay. Let's do this. Question one. What is the name of the enigmatic race that acts as the main antagonist in Mass Effect 2? So question one, what is the name of the enigmatic race that acts as the main antagonists in Mass Effect 2? This is a bad start. You either know that or you won't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the dumbest thing I have ever said in my entire life. 
You'll either know it or you won't. Um, okay. Question two. Which 2010 PS3 game holds the Guinness World Record for most players in a console first-person shooter with 256 players in a single match? Question two. Which 2010 PS3 game holds the Guinness World Record for most players in a console first-person shooter with 256 players in a single match? Okay, question three. Rockstar published which new open world game in 2010? So question three. Rockstar Games published which new open world game in 2010? And I say new because they published loads of older games on other platforms that year. Which game was new? Bless you. Thank you. Oh, that'll, that'll be fun to count. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question four. Which Ubisoft published 2010 movie and graphic novel tie-in game won Best Adapted Video Game at the 2010 Spike Video Game Awards? 2010. In question four, which Ubisoft published 2010 movie and graphic novel tie-in game won Best Adapted Video Game at the 2010 Spike Video Game Awards? Are you going to want, like, the full title or something really daft? Because I can't remember it. If, you, if you're asking that question, you've not got the right answer. Yeah, of course. I'm going to read that question again, really slowly. Which Ubisoft published 2010 movie and graphic novel tie-in game won Best Adapted Video Game at the 2010 Spike Video Game Awards? Okay. Question five. In 2010's action RPG Darksiders, which of the four horsemen of the apocalypse did you play as? Question 5. In 2010's action RPG Darksiders, which of the four horsemen of the apocalypse did you play as? Okay, question 6. Sega and Obsidian published which 2010 action RPG that came with the tagline The Espionage RPG? Question 6. Sega and Obsidian published which 2010 action RPG that came with the tagline 
the espionage RPG. It's that moment where I think I might have got one. Hey! Yes. Question seven. 2010 saw the release of two Pokemon games, Pokemon Heart Gold and which other version of the game? Question 7. 2010 saw the release of two Pokemon games, Pokemon Heart Gold and which other version of the game? Question 8. Which 2010 game got into a legal battle with the International Nanny Association because it contained a PlayStation 3 trophy and Xbox 360 achievement titled Bad Nanny, which is awarded to players for killing monsters resembling children? I've never heard of that. Question eight. Uh. <laughs> Question eight. Which 2010 game got into a legal battle with the International Nanny Association because it contained a PlayStation 3 trophy and an Xbox 360 achievement titled Bad Nanny, which is awarded to players for killing monsters resembling children? Ooh, I think I do. No, I don't. I think I've got it. Is it cheating if I go and look at my achievements list? <laughs> I think you have played it I think it's that far down on my list of achievements that I would take forever trying to find it not if you skip, no, never mind <laughs> can you skip to just 2010 games? I think can. no, I do know it <laughs> I, I do know it okay, question 9 oh, do you know how many times I've practiced this pronunciation I know I'm going to get it wrong today okay, question 9 Game director Hideki Kim... Kamiya. 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 Jesus. Game director Hideki Kamiya believes the only failure he has ever had in his career was the handling of the PS3 port of which 2010 game? So question nine. Game director Hideki Kamiya believes the only failure he has ever had in his career was the handling of the PS3 port of which 2010 game? Wow, I mean, that doesn't narrow it down at all. I barely know which place he works for, let alone... Okay, I'll tell you where he works. I know where he used to work. He works... Is it Platinum? Yeah. Platinum, yes. So what came out in 2010 in Platinum? I'm just going to... Or before that, I would guess at, at one particular game that's been ported, that's all. In What's 2010. Um, <laughs> shit, <balls. laughs> Oh, dear. Okay. Oh, and that's the Akami Bayonetta guy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and he had a hand in um, uh, something else that I don't want to give away. <laughs> I'm so glad I've still mm. got something else written down. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Just say it out loud then. <laughs> anyway, question 10. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is set predominantly in which historic city? So question 10. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is set predominantly in which historic city? What came out in 2010? <laughs> Which question are you talking about now? Number nine. I thought it was internet was just delayed. No, I mean, no. I mean <laughs> you, you've got to think about what what's recently had a a anniversary, haven't you? I mean, I could. I'm drawing an absolute blank here. Oh wait, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That came out. That came out on the PS3. Can I have the question one more time? Because it's just drawn an absolute yep. blank. Question nine: Game director Hideki Kamiya believes the only failure he has ever had in his career was the handling of the PS3 port of which 2010 game? If it helps, it came out on other platforms the same day. It's funny, I'm just going to have a stab. It's only one of two games I can think of that he's done. And it's not that one, because that one was quite good. Ah, oh, fuck it. I've sent you my answers. Is it that it's good, or is it just that the port was not good? The port was not good. Also, I didn't want to say it at the start, because I did quite well on the last one, but and I like this year. But didn't we have a 2010 quiz recently? No, we had a 2012 quiz. Did we? Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Right. So, yeah, three-fifths of us have been playing The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, Sean hasn't, so we're going to keep this spoiler-free as we possibly can. And to kick off is the man himself, Mr. Toby Anderson. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've been playing quite a bit of it. Um, I think I'm about five, six hours or so through at the moment. Um, so I'll try and be as spoiler free as possible as we're talking about things but yeah i've definitely got some thoughts so without spoilers <laughs> the narrative um is pretty intense um i haven't had it spoiled for me yet um but there are some shockers in there things that happen i can understand why people are getting upset but it's a story um at the end of the day and having stories that shock us and having things happen in those stories that shock us is the best thing about them sometimes i don't understand the um the furore around it at all the Last of Us wants to do just that, you know, and it's it's a good thing to have that kind of, you know, your, your comfort zone sort of tested and your blanket pulled out from underneath you a little bit. And those kind of shocking things in narratives are good. The other, what, there's loads of points I want to make, but one of the main ones is about representation. I think that the representation that's happening in that story is also pretty fantastic um, and is also, again, probably part of the main reason people are having a, a real problem with it it's um i'd want to say it's a story of just you know a girl out for revenge but it's not really about it's not really that because you know there's a lot of progressive stuff in there as well it is about a gay girl and her jewish bisexual friend and an asian guy and that there's lots of progress lots of progressive stuff in there. there's lots of characters that you know you can understand 
right wing haters getting upset about. Um, but I think it's a really, really great thing. I know we'll get into more of the sort of backlash and stuff in a minute, but yeah, it's. It, I think it's been. I think it's amazing to see a triple A game, um, and I can't think of another one that has um, such a you know has a, has a lesbian main character um, like that. Um, not in a not in a triple A release. I know it's something that we've seen in a few indies over the years, but I don't. Th- I can't think of another one. Violence is a is a definitely a bit that's that's come up while while I've been playing. It's pretty intense. Um, there's some really seriously wrong animations where you hack into dogs. Um, so there's there's dog enemies that come along and you you know you're taking them out with a machete, for example. Um, that's not that's not a nice animation to watch. It's really horrible. Um, stabbing people in the eye has happened. Um, I, I blew someone's limb off at one point and had to watch them bleed out while they screamed for allies to come and hunt me down. Um, it's it's really yeah, it's really kind of gross in places, but I do get that it's a sort of visceral zombie game and that's, you know, what we're getting. But yeah, I, I can understand also people getting upset, but it's really, really violent. Uh, there's been a few reviews that have said this is quite a violent game um, and, you know, they're really, really going for it. Naughty Dog have gone way beyond Crash Bandicoot now. This is this is a very violent. Um, I had this one little bit where I, I knocked a gun out of someone's hand and held them up, but I was given no option to let them go or tie them up or or anything it just i just had to kill them and and they were begging for for mercy at the time so it's um it can be a bit much it's a story of revenge i don't think that's spoiler spoiling anything um so it reminds me of you know a few a few revenge tales um but one in particular was um john wick um, but i think the reason i'm thinking of that is because ellie's story is one of revenge but it's one where i'm you know i think she's going to come off by the end of it as you know not necessarily the character i want her to be and she's not necessarily acting in the way that i would want to act you know I, I don't think i'm the type of person who would commit the hundreds and hundreds of murders on my on my route to revenge um i think i'd have given up long before the five or six hours that i've got to so far um but john wick is one where this kind of same same feeling came to me which is you know alfie allen kills uh, keanu reeves dog and then Keanu Reeves kills 200 Russians on his route to getting back at Alfie Allen. And I had a real problem with that film. I, I don't mind John Wick 2 and 3. They didn't have the same issue. But the um, if he'd just killed Alfie Allen, I would have been behind it. He killed his dog. It's kind of one for one. But the 200 Russians getting killed on the way there, all innocent people. And I just didn't like it. Keanu came off as the bad guy in the end. And I just wonder if Ellie um, is going to come off as as the bad guy by the end of this. And maybe one last little point um, is about gameplay. Um, so I've got into p- points in the game now where Ellie's on her own um, and they're pretty intense. And there's some gameplay things that they've changed up from the first one, which um, really make it quite quite visceral and, and crazy to play. Um, so the dog, the dog enemies that I was talking about, um, they can uh, they can catch your scent as you as, as they pass over the track that you've been making as you've gone through the level. Um, they can pick up your scent and then they just trail you as they as you go, just following you into every different place you try to hide. You can see the scent trail if you do your um, listening ability. Um, and it's just horrible. It's horrible. You can't get away from the dogs at all. You ha- you are forced all the time into, you know, compromising your position. You're you're forced into finding another place to hide, and then you're forced in, and then another enemy will see you. And there's always enemies. They they 
always fanning out across the areas and you there's never a safe place to go so when neil Druckmann and such have been saying we want you to feel you know just to this oppressive you are not safe thing going on all the time i'm starting to get it now it, it wasn't there in the first three or four hours but it really gets there um so that part has been quite intense and and enjoyable but in the sort of i'm having to change up the way i play the game um to actually to actually play it i, I got I had some real trouble getting through those levels um so yeah well, i'll leave you one funny little bit my wife was watching a lot of the game as we were playing and um she said we went past this like fountain um like a little nice hiding place that she said and she said there's a there's a difference between you and me when we play this game and i said what's that and she said um well i would just get in that fountain and i'd just let all this shit blow over and i thought <laughs> do you know what? that's what i kind of wanted to as well <laughs> ellie ellie i just don't think i'm behind ellie's revenge so i think yeah we're just gonna let the whole thing blow over and and sit it out <laughs> But no, not really. I will carry on playing. I really want to finish it. But it's um, it's it's very interesting. A very very interesting game. I can see some of why people are saying masterpiece things like that. Um, and yeah, you know, that term's getting banded about. But um, it'd be interesting to see what the other the others thought um as well. Yourself, Roscoe, and um, Greg, and also the when we get into the backlash bit of it has been really annoying me. But yeah, mm. first impressions good. Excellent. It's interesting you mention about Ellie. Sort of by the end, maybe the bad guy did you mm. when you ended the last of us the first one did you see joel as the bad guy so yeah joel makes a choice doesn't he at the end of the first one to save ellie um instead of saving everyone with the with the possible immunity um spoilers for the first one if you're not spoilers for it. the first one yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um you know that choice is is fundamental to you know their relationship and 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 definitely parts of the story that we've already seen so it's it's very important part i don't know if i saw joel as a bad guy because i kind of thought you know he's got a reason for it he had a he had a visceral reason i know i wanted to save ellie as well so maybe it's the it's maybe it's up to the point where you know the game is making you question your morals you know i'm i'm yes i'm down with not experimenting on a young girl for herd immunity or whatever it is or you know group immunity but I'm not necessarily yet down with her revenge um, thing. But it's only early days. I mean, I may find I really am. It depends where this goes. And I have heard that the second half gets even worse. So, you know, I could be very, hmm. very behind her by the end of it. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, my God. So exciting. <laughs> it, is, it is really exciting to see where it goes from where I, I am at the moment. It's, it's um, a very interesting moral thing that, that we we've, for sure right, how are we talking about a game and actually talking about the moral part of it already it's really good mr greg hicks can you share your thoughts on the last of us part two so far yeah i'm not as far in as toby so i haven't really got as much in depth of it i really enjoyed the first one and i was really impressed with how much of a sort of technical and visual accomplishment it was but for me the story was like i, I mean maybe i'm just dead inside but i didn't walk away from it like this has been the revolutionary storytelling device i needed maybe i'm sort of desensitized because I've listened to hours and hours of Metal Gear Solid dialogue so it just washes over me I don't know I appreciate what the first game did and it did really set the scene for this new one and yeah obviously Joel's choice at the end you think you dick but you probably do the same thing in that scenario you know a sacrifice in the greater good for this so I can see why things happen that drive Ellie's story I totally get that so I'm not that far in to really start questioning the story yet uh for what's happening uh, it's it's pretty 
straightforward so far. I mean, there's not been anything major. So, yeah, can't really quibble on that. Uh, there are... The, the dialogue is kind of annoying me. It's got that annoying Joss Whedon vibe to it where everyone's like quipping back and forth. And it was obviously a, a predominant part in the first game because Joel and Ellie banter back and forth and he comes out of a shell and all that. But the dialogue between Dina and Ellie, I find really grating. It's it's forced for for us as as listeners, as as players, and it's really getting on my nerves. Like they're just like trying to outsmarm each other, and I'm just like, yeah, all right, just get on with what you're doing. Like, stop giving me. It's not even exposition. It's just stop giving me narrative to fill in the blanks. Like I enjoy the silence. Like I'm quite happily playing Shadow of the Colossus, just cruising around the landscape. I think that would piss me off no end if Wanda started talking to himself, or you know, having a mock conversation with Agro. So I just think you're just trying to. You're just trying to be witty and you think, oh, I just give up. So I don't I don't like that aspect of it so much. But again, maybe it's just me. Um, now, this is going to sound a little bit contentious. And please don't take any of this out of context. I'm all for inclusivity and all that kind of stuff. I'm not a bigot. I'm not right wing or anything. Like that. I'm totally for it. But what I don't like is when it gets all thrown at you at once and it's like in the first 20 minutes of the game they've just thrown so much to say yes we're a very inclusive game and i'm like yeah i know there's nothing to suggest you're not and again i don't want to give it any way for like listeners haven't played it or obviously sean hasn't played it yet so i don't want to spoil anything but it's like there's i know there's there's arguments to what i'm saying because people are going to say well they haven't had this representation before and who's they i'm obviously just using like a blanket term i don't mean it offensively so I get that representation is a good thing and I'm all for it. But at the same time, it's like, there's no right way of doing it. I understand. There's no way. You can't just subtly throw a line in and go, oh, by the way, so-and-so is blah, 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 or anything like that. So I get that it's a difficult subject. But at the same time, in the very short amount of time I played on the game, it's very like in your face that it's a very diverse game. And I'm like, yeah, I know. No one ever said you weren't. You've got nothing to prove in that sense. Just stop with the, the the massive explosion of it. Like I get it. Like it's it's that. And I'm trying to pick my words very carefully because I don't want to sound like I don't care or I don't have any respect for representation, which is not the case at all. I really do. So I don't want to come across like that. And I, I'm trying to stress that enough so no one picks out anything I said and they go, ah, oh, yeah, but you said blah 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 blah. So I'm not trying to do that at all. It's just I'm not going to say anything cliche like it's too much of a good thing. But it's just, it's so, I mean, the argument is that like other games do very little. So it's trying to pick up that slack. But at the same time, it's just a bit much for me. And I can't say specific parts because I don't want to give it away. But I'm just like, yeah, all right, I get it. Just, can we just focus on the, the story here? Like I'm actually more invested in the, in the Ellie story and in, in, in the overall story, not, not everything else that's going on. But again, that's just me. So that's all I've taken away from it so far. Obviously, being sort of two and a half hours into a 30-hour story, I kind of hope it spreads out. And it's just, I, I guess it's all just bottleneck to really introduce you to it all straight away. So in, in three or four hours' time, you know, my tune might absolutely change. It's just I'm not really that far along yet to form another opinion of it. So that's about it, really. Mechanically, it's amazing. The fact that you can now sort of go prone and they've added more of a stealth element to it is ticking all my boxes. And like Toby said, some of the gore in it is just really... I mean, I thought it was bad enough when Clicker has munched you in the first game. But when you're taking shotguns to people 
and you see proper viscera and it's just like Ugh, that was awesome like Ugh. i mean like i said we, we know where i work and i should be used to gore i see real life gore and amputations and stuff but seeing it in video games i'm just like ew that was cool so yeah from a technical perspective this one blows it out of the water well it blows the first one out of the water because obviously it's a new system but i mean it's really pushing like the ps4 even in the wake of what we saw the other week about the ps5 i mean this is still but it, it's it's a cycle repeating isn't it because the last one came out at the end of the ps3's life cycle and it was impressive then so this is just you know singing from the same song sheet really it's just doing it again but better some little part of me wishes they should have waited until PS5. Yeah, um, but for people like me that aren't buying PS5 straight away, I didn't want to sort of wait. Sure, sure. I'll just I see your point, though. You, you kind of wish they just like want to hold off and then make it even more impressive on PS5. I'm sure there'll be a shiny upgrade. There'll be a remastered version, of course they will. And I do like the uh, relationship between Ellie and Dina, and I think they're they're both good characters. But yeah, I sort of yeah, I just didn't want to like a go into in depth about it and b. Because of story, obviously, I didn't also want to go into it because then it would start sounding a little bit like I don't agree with what blah 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 is doing, which is not my point. But I'm mm. trying to keep it in a in a broader spectrum of the three hours that I've played. It's been a bit much, but like I said, that might level itself out and then my tune will change. I'm hoping it's not. Because... Do you not think it's um? Do you not think it's quite important in a way? The representation is yeah. I did say a that big, a big deal. Um, I did, I did so, say that yeah. And I'm just, I'm just sort of, you know, if if there's a sort of clarification, it's just that they, they, they're doing something that's not been done in a way. Yeah, I know. You know, I know. Just... This is this is this is what I mean. I didn't want to start like a healthy debate about that one point like, <laughs> because I don't want to then trip up my own words and something to come out that's going to sound misrepresentative of what I say. No, it's it's I'm totally all for it, and I I said that in my point. Like I'm I'm all for it. It's just there's there's they're showing it, and then there's just like showing it all at once it's like someone's showing you a photo album you do it a page at a time you don't just go bam here's 50 pictures in your face take them all in now that's a very terrible analogy but that's the only thing i can think of right now mm-hmm. it's it's good to have representation and it's very good that, that they're doing it it's just the a lot of it in a very small time frame like i get it all right just you know cool yeah, i get it I, i'm not I, arguing I with their uh with their their way of doing it but it's just it's it's hammering the point home a little bit I don't think I agree. I mean, I don't want to get into an argument about it either. But um, I, I, I don't think I agree. I think I'm, I think I'm more on the side of, it's like a course correction in in media that needs to happen and should have been sounds, happening that for just years. That sounds like an apology, though, doesn't it? That just seems like pandering. No, if, it's if you're going to put just, it in that way and saying that the media hasn't done it, then it's a case of like naughty dog the, feel that they're responsible for. I think it's not just naughty dog. It's it's a number of places. It's it's something that's happening in. Hollywood yeah, no, and I'm, it's I'm not knocking in other places. I'm, I'm really well. not against it. Like I'm not trying to say that it's a bad no, no, thing. No, no, no. I'm not say. framing it to say that anyone's against it. I just mean I, I, I just think it's important. I think it's a very yeah. yeah. I totally get that. It's just in, in, the, in the small time frame of the game I've played. It's just like a, a, not an abundance of it because that sounds negative. But in it's... a way, we've we've been introduced to the fact that um, she's a gay character. Um, in the in the DLC from the previous. Now I've started something. (laughs) We were going to get into it in the back in the backlash, but anyway, weren't we really? Because there's been so much backlash to this um, that it's a really tricky subject. You know, it's it's a really tricky place to to chat about because there has been such a massive amount of review review bombing already happened of this game. Mm, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Where am I with it? I am having a good time with it. I don't know if enjoy 
is the right word. Um, I don't know if I'm having fun with The Last of Us Part 2. I think I'm enduring it at the moment. Um, I'm doing what I can to get through it. It's a very weird place to be with a video game because I don't think it's meant to be fun. I don't think you're meant to be enjoying it. I think you're, as with any kind of like horror, thriller story, whether it be in any medium, in movies or books or anything, you know, enjoying it and having fun with it is kind of the last thing you want to do. And if I found myself having fun with The Last of Us, because around every corner, I'm about, I'm about seven and a half hours in now, and around every corner, I am nervous and I'm intense because I just don't know what's going to happen. Um, Toby, I can drop one name of a location, the TV station. Yep. And that sequence. Oh, yes. Fuck me. Uh, see, I'm not there yet, so. <laughs> it just, it just, it just rocked me. And I was playing it last night. I was like, right, I'll get to a, I'll get to a calm point and I'll save and I'll go to bed. And it just, I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And it just didn't happen because you're constantly on your toes in this game. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing at all. I kind of like it. It just keeps your eyes open all the time because you just don't know what's around the corner. Um, I really am enjoying it to an extent. It's exactly what I wanted The Last of Us Part Two to be. It is shocking. There are moments that blow your mind and things that I was not prepared for and not ready for. The performances are fantastic so far. I mean, Ashley Johnson has just taken Ellie to another level. Um, I don't know if it's, it, it's, it's a weird thing that I've noticed, but her voice has got lower as Ellie's got older. She sounds um, more of a moody teenager than she did being a younger teenager. Yes. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Those early sequences at the beginning where you see Ellie, kind of like the recreations of the first game, those moments in the first game, um, you can hear her, her younger Ellie there. And then it, there's a real stark difference, even though it's only like four years later. And Ashley Johnson really brings it. Um, I love Laura Bailey. Troy Baker, of course, is brilliant as Joel. I can't not hear Ellie without thinking of Gretchen from Recess, though. <laughs> I can't quite remember the name of the actress who plays Dina. Uh, something, I don't know. Oh, there's, Shannon, right, we'll, we'll, Shannon save it, we'll save it for the for the bit, but there's something about that that's made me laugh with the comments. But yeah, I'll save it. Yeah, I'm having a really great time with it. It is constant. It's on the edge the entire time. And it's what I wanted it to be effectively and i'm very excited to see to see what happens and i'm looking forward to whatever happens next i'm terrified but i'm looking forward to it i love those little the, the rope physics i don't know what it is the rope physics are absolutely amazing it's like the best rope i've ever had in a video game before and there's an entire tweet uh, thread about this just rope physics that neil Druckmann retweeted the other day and it's just the work that went into good rope physics is unreal and it really pays off. Um, I love Ellie with her guitar. There are moments where, you know, she just sit down and just play guitar and it's beautiful. It's a really lovely, lovely moment. And there are moments where, you know, the game just takes your breath away by how beautiful it is and how, as a technical achievement, it is. And yeah, I've got a lot to see and I'm looking forward to that. Of course, Sean hasn't played it yet. Sean, where are you on The Last of Us Part 2? Are you still waiting to finish the first one before you jump in, or have we spoiled it enough that you don't need to anymore? <laughs> See, the problem was that like, I know what happens. So, thanks to Idiots Online. And this was because, part, partly because I posted something on N4G that somebody didn't like, and partly because I called somebody a bigot in reply to an IGN tweet, who then decided to send me a big series of DMs 
which I opened. Um, and it, it basically it basically outlined exactly what happened in the game. So I, I'm not in any rush to play it because I know what happens. And it's a shame that it's been spoiled for me. I, I imagine experiencing it will be great, but it's not as if I need to rush and play it now. You know, it's not like where the Avengers comes out and I need to rush to the cinema before some knobhead, knobhead goes and spoils it for me. Somebody's already done that for me. So I, I'm 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 not in any rush now. I could just take my time with it. You know, I'm not reviewing it. So it, it's it's just one of those games I can play on my own time. And I will, I, you know, I probably won't get to finish it for a long time. But it's just it's just the way it is. So thanks, internet dickheads. Oh, that's a real shame. That's okay. It's the, the things you put up with being online. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to moan about it because at the end of the day, this guy, you know, if I moan about it, he's won. You know, I'm, mm. you know, he, he hasn't stopped me from buying the game. I've still got it. It's downloaded. It's ready to go. But, you know, I'm, I'm just not in any rush to run out and, and finish stuff now. So, fine. <laughs> yeah. Bastards. Yeah. Uh, right. Let's talk about bastards on the internet, shall we? Yes. Because... One of the main kind of like stories in The Last of Us, Last of Us, I say maybe three or four months ago, was leaked and spoiled to the nth degree. And certain people on the internet were not happy with the certain elements of the story. Now, this is going to be tough to talk about this without spoiling what what they mean, but I really don't want to because there's going to be people listening to this that obviously want to play the game for themselves and I would never dream of spoiling it for you. But we've got to talk about Metacritic and the review bombing of this game, because I'm looking at Metacritic right now. Last of Us Part 2, from the critical point, stands at 95, which is one of the biggest on Metacritic, I believe. And the user score is at 3.7 out of 10. I understand it. And yeah, there is a discourse there. (laughs) And it was because, mainly, the game got review bombed on day one by assholes who didn't like the way the story was played out that they had discovered in the spoils of the leak that happened a few months ago and it's it's not just the last of us two review bombing has happened for a while and it's a really horrible part of our industry that we really want to get on top of and i don't really want to give them any kind of like clout by talking about them but it's something that needs to be discussed and something that we need to as an industry kind of figure out uh so i wanted to start with greg because you've been sort of like delving into reddit looking at the the assholes that kick off this sort of thing Oh, was that the lead into it? Sorry. Yes. I thought, sorry. I, thought, I thought it was a question. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Do you want me to add an inflection? Um, yeah, please. Okay. So I'm going to start with uh, Greg, who's been going into Reddit to find the people who was like, start this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, Reddit's an absolute shitstorm for it. And surprisingly enough, I didn't have the game spoiled for me on there. Um, but yeah, like, just there's a couple of pages I follow. Where one of them's gaming and one of them's like gaming circle jerks. And I think people don't realize that's meant to be an ironic Reddit because they're always going like, oh, my God, they've ruined the game, blah, 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 like joking around posts. And people are actually commenting going, yeah, they have, rah, 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 rah. And it's like, you're just making yourselves look stupid. But yeah, prior to release, I mean, I hadn't seen any leaks because I didn't actively seek them out. Like, who the f- who does that? 
That's like someone telling me the story of Ghost of Tsushima three weeks before it and me going, oh, good, he can't wait to read it. You know, who seeks these things out, spoils them for themselves and goes, Rah, I'm going to spoil it for everyone else now or ruin everyone else's day. But yeah, I mean, at its peak, the review bombing was at 14,000 negative reviews, which is sad. And it's quite funny because everyone's going, it's the worst story, blah, blah, blah. And then someone countered that with a with a picture of the trophy rate for finishing the story and it was like 0.03 so it just lost all credit i mean it had no credibility anyway but it just loses all credibility of people going on there going it's the worst game ever sjw bullshit like social justice warrior bullshit it's pandering all the offensive names for neil Druckmann. um apparently he consulted anita sarkeesian at some point uh i don't really like any of the work she does the femme frequency thing or anything like that but I'm not getting into that. I just don't like her work. But that was enough to set people off and it's ruined it and it's not the story they want it to be. And it's just, it's absolutely mental. But then you see like Neil Druckmann um, sharing tweets that just ignore it all and it's brilliant because he's just like, yeah, I love the positive reception that everyone's giving the game, you know, on, on Metacritic and stuff like that. So he's just he's just playing up into it. But some of the some of the arguments are stupid. Like Dina's character, for example, people are putting comments and uh, comparative photos of uh, Dina the character and then the actress, and because the actress has got bigger boobs than Dina, everyone's going, "Oh, they've changed the character and all this kind of stuff." And it's just like, well, hang on, Phil Lamar is a black guy that plays Vamp in the Metal Gear Solid series. So, are you you're not upset that Vamp isn't black? It's it's just so absolutely stupid. So I'm just there with the virtual popcorn. Like now what? Now what are they complaining about? What is going on here? It's just a campaign to review bomb something is stupid. You know, I, I can see the same yeah. thing happening with with Cyberpunk as well. For any, I mean, I, I had I had a similar thing when I watched Last Jedi. I watched Last Jedi and I sort of came out. And I looked at all the reviews and IMDb stuff, and it was people making points. And I bought into some of them, and I was like, yeah, they're right. That was a bit shit, et cetera, et cetera. And then I went and watched it again a week later with someone else. And I just thought, no, I'm going to watch this for myself to see if I enjoy it. And I actually did. And I thought, there's a prime example of me buying into mass hysteria, mass like mass agreeing with something even though i had seen it already like agreeing with something going yeah they have made a valid point rah 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 and it's only when you step back and you go wait why not just form my own opinion of something and that's the literal opposite of what's been happening here you see people that are never even going to buy the game or play the game just creating accounts on metacritic to go and give it a zero before the game is even released and metacritic have scrapped so many of them as you just given the figure out then it's just it's just proven to be a complete waste of time. But yeah, why would you go yeah. on that? The story's rubbish. The story's rubbish. It's like it's been out for thirty minutes. <laughs> and even if you got it from the postman, there's no way you finish a thirty-hour tale that quickly. It's, yeah, it's a sad state of affairs. That, and I feel sorry for anyone that bases their opinion on a negative Metacritic review or something that profound. All right, fair enough. Like if it's a rubbish game, then yeah. I mean, I fell victim for that, and Toby can attest to this when I bought Never Dead because. It wasn't a very good oh, game. Geez. It wasn't rated very highly. And even Toby went, yeah, it looks rubbish. And then it was £5 on the sale. And so I went, yeah, maybe it might be all right. And um, yeah, they were right on that one. But if 14,000 people 
told me a game was rubbish and the review score said no it's actually really good from several different outlets then i'd probably still give it a chance yeah so yeah the, the whole notion of review bombing is an inherently stupid practice that i don't know why i don't know why anyone gets behind it what are they going to do it's not made if, if anything i was actually on the fence about pre-ordering it this week and because of it i went now nah, bugger it, i'm going to pre-order it because i was going to get it like a week after release i wasn't really that bothered and it just made me pre-order it for launch so didn't work for them did it <laughs> i mean you know that some of the people review bombing it have bought it and they're going to enjoy it anyway yeah getting, you know regardless of whether or not they enjoy it you know playstation still have your money now the worst the worst offenders are the ones that come from a culture of beliefs that don't not just tolerate it but they abj- like abjectly hate it some of the themes in the game and that's what i hate and i'm not going to start picking out certain types of creed race or anything like that but when it's when it's those people that they are brought up on a culture of hatred and being attracted to the same sex is a criminal offense and a punishable by death offense and they're on metacritic then it loses all validity of their point and that should be flagged up as soon as they post that review for hate speech basically that's what i don't agree with yeah i agree Toby, review bobbing share your yeah. thoughts I, I agree with that last point as well. The the anti-gay, anti-lesbian, anti-bisexual sentiment that's come out of this review bombing is just horrendous. It makes me think of things like Gamergate and such as well. You know, when it was just all against, or so many people just viscerally against female developers and female characters in games. It's just, what is going on here? Why why is it that gamers, as a as a large group at least, you know, there's I don't know whether it's a small minority or whether it's a large group or who it is, but there is a group of gamers that makes me embarrassed to say I'm a gamer, and I, I hate I hate them for it in a way. I really just think that The Last of Us Part Two is a fantastic move forward in lesbian, bisexual, and gay representation. Right, just overall, it's a fantastic point in history at which there is a triple a game with those characters in it right regardless of you know what plot points happen and that that i find that to be a secondary thing people have got annoyed about you know this plot thing that's happened i think they're far more of what i've been reading has been about the representation that's that's that, that's their problem the i just there's a lot of people talking about um naughty dog having an agenda right and you know trying to push this agenda at you um the whole time i just i think the whole the whole concept of naughty dog having an agenda is just kind of ridiculous they're the ones moving with the times they're the ones being progressive they're the ones you know listening to the public zeitgeist you know that the the spirit of the times that we're in right and the spirit of the times is a progressive and more accepting times you know they as we move year by year decade by decade we start to accept more things and we start to move away from like greg said the sort of religious and creed-based hatred of, of of these groups and i find it's a fantastic thing that society on a whole does do this and this is just a point in history where the games industry as a as a triple a game has has caught the zeitgeist and has brought in these characters that are fantastic there's you know whether you like ellie or not it shouldn't be about whether you like her sexuality right there's got nothing to do with how i'm experiencing the game i don't care that she's a lesbian character i think it's important that there is lesbian representation but as a storyline i don't care that she's a lesbian character what i care about is that she is on a revenge mission and i care about her 
right, as a character. And I care about Dina. I think Dina's fantastic. What, what a brilliant character she is already. And I've hardly, you know, we, we've hardly seen her yet. So I just think that having this visceral hatred for this, for, you know, for this fictitious thing that, that has caught them, you know, that has got the white male privilege group so completely upset you know I'm, I'm a white male privilege I don't have any problem with this I don't understand it that's the thing I think it's something that, that they need to get behind and they need to just realize is happening you know it's happening in Hollywood it's happening in genre fiction I've read a number of books fantasy books and sci-fi books recently that have totally embraced having gay and lesbian characters um, and uh, relationships in them that you could not read that stuff 10 years ago Right. Even even 10 years ago, it just wasn't it wasn't published ever. And it's so refreshing. It's it's interesting even as a as a white male with privilege to see other points of view, to be able to open, you know, unpack that a little bit in yourself and to be able to see this is other people's you know experience of the world. Right. I just don't see why that's a problem, why people can't get behind it and why people can't experience life from so many other perspectives, just as acceptance, right? It's it's such a fundamental thing to me. That I find it incredibly difficult to, to see all this. One other point I'd make is that there's, there's a sort of secondary part of this backlash, which is about the reviewers giving it a 10 out of 10. I don't know if you've seen that side of it. They've got the review bombing that's happened, but there's also a sort of bombing the other way around, which is why how can you possibly give it a 10 what does a 10 mean you're getting paid off you're a shill you know that that kind of stuff so there's been a huge amount of games journalists trying to defend themselves as well for their 10s because there's been a lot of 10s and i think that's that's crazy as well it's, it's probably the same group that's having that's giving them a massively hard time about giving a 10 to a to, to a game that as progressive and sjw as this but yeah it, it's it's crazy it, it's probably it'll probably go down you know in in the great annals of gamer scandals like like gamergate like i said like just these horrible episodes that happened for a short period of time but hopefully when we look back did not define us as gamers and did not actually cause much of a blip on that progressive road i have nothing to add to that at all excellent point just telling you what i think no that's that's fantastic uh sean do you want to wrap this up how do you feel about review bombers i know you're a big fan yeah <laughs> Do I get sweary or do I just do I just count, just play it straight? Okay. No, no, get sweary. Go for it. Uh, do it, man. Do it. Go on. <laughs> I should have sworn as well. <laughs> uh, 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 this, Sean rage. Sean this, rage. <laughs> this this books me off more than almost anything else in gaming. User review scores. So if you bought a product and having your opinion on the product that you bought should be the most fundamentally important metric that any gamer could use to measure against a game that you want to buy. You know, you should be able to go onto Steam, look at the reviews, a a list of reviews, see how many people liked it against, how many disliked it, to be able to tell if that game is of quality or not. Unfortunately, that is not the case. What we have instead is people using their own voice to basically give games that are of quality a zero. And and I I know quality is, is subjective, but the problem is not a, a issue with the content of the game. It is to do with the morals of a game. It is to do with the spirit of a game. And with The Last of Us Part Two, we knew Ellie was gay in the previous game. We knew that she was gay from a trailer that everybody saw from E3. If you didn't see that trailer, then, you know, what the fuck are you doing as a gamer? Just get the fuck out. 
we knew there was a trans character. You know, that they were in the first, very, very first trailer that was played. Sorry, not the first, the second, the very viscerally violent trailer. There was a trans character in that, that trailer. Now, I'm, I don't understand how these people can go through playing a Last of Us game with a gay character, watching a lesbian kiss in a trailer, seeing a trans character in a trailer, and then get very fucking surprised when the game releases and they see that there are representations in this game. Oh, this is fucking, this is an agenda. Now, I probably know more about this game than, than you three do and than most people do because it's been spoiled for me. And I know about what happens in the game and I can understand where people with completely regressive politics would see this as Naughty Dog making a message. But also, you're fucking stupid, man. Because they aren't. It's just a character. They aren't trying to to make a bold political statement with this. These are just characters that were written. And they they have different sexualities, different ethnicities. This isn't them trying to to destroy men's rights. This isn't that. This is just having different experiences that for you to experience. If you can't get on board with that, get out of gaming. Take the fucking door. Go. Go watch football. Go play golf. Go fucking do anything else and leave everyone else to have a good time with the games that are being made. you just got to leave the fucking hobby alone. Because if you don't, you're going to be stuck playing that fucking stupid black and white shooter game that Polygon made into a hit because it was total turd about a fucking guy shooting people because he was a men's rights activist. Yeah, because men's rights are really being fucking challenged, aren't they? Of course they are. We've got to share the fucking bathroom now. Who gives a shit? <sighs> There's an issue. There is an issue with gaming. And it's at its core. We had Gamergate. It's not fucking over. You know, people give a game a review, a, a very good review, and they have to justify it. No, it's their fucking opinion. Nobody's paying for 10 out of 10s. Nobody's paying for 9 out of 10s. It, it, no, no fuckers doing that. Get over yourself. There's no shills. Review bombing is the worst possible thing you could possibly do in this industry. You are ruining your own voice. There are so many better ways to be able to communicate your dislike of something. But if your dislike is, I don't agree with this, then don't fucking bite. Just go. I think I'm done. Yeah. I get really fucking angry about this because it should it should be, users should be able to say what is good and what is bad. And that's why I was trying to pick what I was trying to say carefully so it didn't come across <laughs> like I didn't give a shit about it all. Or it offended me. That was my my yep. point. Absolutely. I don't want it's... to invoke Sean's wrath. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody does. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fucking straight white male, right? I do not want to pay that many more fucking games with a straight white male. I have uh, 900 of them. Why the fuck? Like, it, it's just fucking boring, man. How many more fucking white McTash, McBeardy guys can we play as? Fucking just every, every game is fucking Nolan North. it's it's more interesting to be able to play as other representations it is more interesting to play as ellie than it would have been otherwise yeah i I just think it's it's very funny that that two of the biggest review bomb things of the last decade you know were last of us part two and the last jedi both had a female lead both had some representation i love how we always go back to the last jedi Regardless of any conversation we have, <laughs> it's a cultural landmark, mate. It's, it's you know, mm. I enjoyed it. Yeah, me I too. Enjoyed, I enjoyed it. Yeah, who didn't? Oh, it's Paul, wasn't it? <laughs> but Paul, Paul doesn't enjoy anything. Paul, so. who lives in the most diverse city in the country. I think there were some issues with how they handled Luke Skywalker. Oh, let's not. Don't, 
But I don't think do there was an overall issue with the film. I think the film was great. He didn't do anything in Last Jedi. Do anything. It's no, nothing to get angry about. <laughs> oh, he hooped his lightning stick over a cliff. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and then Just... they completely ruined it in Rise of Skywalker by him saying, oh, it's the most important tool. What? What? Yeah, well... Are you you're just going to pretend you didn't throw yours off a cliff then? The Rise of Skywalker is objectively a bad movie, but The Last Jedi is... Just a divisive yeah. one, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to round this off, uh, Sean, I was wondering about this. What do you what do you think Metacritic's part in this? Should they be doing more to stop this sort of thing? Instead of just deleting them once they happen? Should they be at the gate before it happens? I, I don't think Metacritic have... I don't think people even really pay attention to the user's scores on Metacritic, and that's why I don't think they bother. I think they know people who use Metacritic know that the critic score, you know, there there are hundreds of critics on Metacritic. We aren't one of them. We want to be, but you know, the, Please. Oh, no. <laughs> the, the, there is there is enough quality writers for you to be able to judge. If if a game has one hundred reviews and it has a Metacritic score of ninety five, then you are almost guaranteed that you're going to enjoy that game. The user review score is is isn't because it's not just this way around either, because the amount of times I've reported to Metacritic that a developer has created an account to give their game positive review scores on the, on the user review um, is, is phenomenal. You know, I, I go mm. into a game and it's, it's basically shovelware. It's, it's an asset flip that's got published and um, they, they just ignore it. So I don't think they care about user review scores because I don't think anyone else cares about user review scores. Um, yeah. I, I know, here, we I know, here we are talking about it. No, I, I think that, that that's the problem though, isn't it? Because mm. it it should be it should be something that people care about, but people can't use it as a as a as a as a value for quality because because this happens so often. You know, Steam Steam has has done a pretty decent thing where I think it's you can review review uh, remove review scores. After they've, so it, like it used to be on Steam where you could buy a game, leave a review without playing it, and then get a refund for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they now remove those reviews. And I know that Rotten Tomatoes went to a system where your review, you would have to sign up and give your ticket number to say that you'd actually seen a film. So you couldn't just go on there and, and review bomb. Could Metacritic do a thing like if you sign up, you have to sign up with your. Either PSN account, Xbox Live account, Switch account, and they can cross-reference what you've played. What validate that you've so, actually played the game on yeah. your history? The same way that Amazon won't let you review something if you haven't bought it. You know what I mean? I mean uh, that that would be ideal, but the amount of work I don't think would would offset what people actually get from review scores, uh, user review scores. You know, I would love that to be the case because then you would get genuinely honest review uh, user review scores. But yeah, it's it's not. What about not... removing user review scores? They have. Really? Oh, no, I just not? mean removing the whole option. I mean, if it's I... so worthless. Why not remove? But then it would just be an, a massive tirade against why they've only got so-called quote-unquote paid review scores yeah. on there. So you've got to have some some sort of range, haven't you? There has Possibly. to be there. There has to be some consequence to it. They can't just keep doing it. I mean, they can, mm. but the the thing is with this is the the more often they do it, the less heard their voice is going to be. Like people, people are going to give less and less of a shit about user review scores every mm. time they do it, and we're going to get to a point where the that box and on Metacritic, which is sat straight alongside the the critics one, will get moved away. It'll get put down at the bottom. You have to scroll for it or something because it mm. means nothing. And that that's that's the 
if you don't like a game, speak to the community managers, you know, email the developers, let them know that if you have a, like a, a genuine issue with it, you, leaving a review bomb in it is just, just, just ruining your own, your own integrity as gamers. Yeah. Okay. Let's crack on. Yes. Um, I want to get in some very quickly, some user thoughts of the last of us so far. I will be very quick. We've only got two and they're both from people called Chris, which is just wonderful. Um, my dear friend, Chris Howard, only about three hours in. However, the storyline has hooked me already picking up from where it left off and then continuing four years later. It's immersive, and at the point I have now got to, emotional. Because of how well the story has been written, it doesn't feel like we've waited seven long years to find out what was in store for Ellie, now that she is all grown up. I have enjoyed playing both as Ellie and the new character, Abby, which has helped direct the storyline. The graphics are fantastic, and I've spent a lot of my time so far exploring to find the collectibles in order to unlock certain trophies. Oh, and the clickers are still a giant pain in the ass. That I definitely agree with. Finally, the only downside to the game is it has been released on the same day as the football finally returned. So it's a ball lake trying to decide between football and continuing Ellie's journey. In hindsight, I already should have booked this week off work. Sorry about that, Chris. And my dear friend, uh, Chris too, or other Chris, as he's known in A Different Life. It feels like forever since I've played the first game and the build-up to this one has been immense. One thing I would like to comment on is the sheer attention to detail and pace that this game has. The animation for searching containers or upgrading your guns is longer in this game than any other game would dare. It helps so much with building the feeling that you really are experiencing this journey alongside Ellie. I kind of agree with that. The whole the crafting sequences are really cool. When she's basically breaking down her gun and building it back up again. Very awesome. Uh, right, cheers, guys. Okay, let's get into something else other than The Last of Us. Let's get into some crazy indies. Now, uh, Toby, some of the indies you've played this week that you wanted to focus on. So, Steam Game Festival has been awesome, really. I've, I've had so much fun downloading. I'm sure Sean has as well. Just, you know, tens of tens of, ga- uh, of games and checking out the demos for them. And it's, it's been really, 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 really great. Three standouts. In a, that I haven't mentioned enough of already. And, uh, you know, obviously there are the ones I've already mentioned, like Chris Tales and Spirit Spiritfarer and Backbone and stuff that are just amazing. But um, I'll mention three that I haven't really gone into. So Haven. Haven is um, a sort of cel-shaded adventure with um, that you play as a couple um, on the run on an alien planet. And it's it's just absolutely beautiful. I was amazed that it ran on my PC for a start. So cel-shading for some reason doesn't eat up my CPU or GPU or whatever it is at the same rate that everything else seems to, but it, it ran smoothly and beautifully and it is a joy to play. So you've got little um, hover boots that you can, that you can move around on. You can switch between the, the female character, the male character, um, just at, at any moment that you like. They're beautifully written, both really personable and funny and they have a little banter together and they're very cute together because they're obviously a couple, which is kind of a little different different thing that we've not really played as a couple like that in a way i do think the guy is a bit of a mansplainer um which is interesting um because he's always explain everything to a, the girl who's quite ditzy um but they're very endearing characters and you kind of you kind of use your hover boots you go out of your your um you're living on this alien planet but you use your hover boots to collect what's called flow um, which is like a, a kind of power that you use to power your crash landed ship and forage for food make and cook things and do all that kind of stuff that you you know that you might do there but very very quickly even in the demo you start to sort of see this corruption happening on these planets and find your way between different areas and such and and it's just it's just wonderful it's such a smooth beautiful little game it's got turn-based battles which are the weirdest thing as well to suddenly um sort of shoehorn in there but they're not really turn-based either they're real time you just can't move so it's like it's like turn-based or it looks turn-based so you you power up attacks attacks and unleash them but you don't have to wait basically is what i'm saying um and you can both use attacks simultaneously and you can do duo, duo attacks and things like this and it's just really 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 fun and then then, then the demo ended and i was really upset which is because I, it didn't wasn't long enough 
it wasn't long enough by a long shot. I got 45 minutes, I think, out of it. <laughs> so yeah, I think that one, when that comes out, if I can run that on my PC, I'm going to be very, very happy. Inmost. Now this one kept coming up on my feeds, but I wasn't really taking, paying much attention, but oh, it's amazing. So the it's a pixel art horror game called Inmost. It's, I suppose it's just like five or six hours long in total, but it is fraught with fear and panic. And I never thought pixel art could be quite as scary um, as the 30 minutes or so I spent on the demo. Um, turned the lights off, put my noise cancelling headphones on and just immersed myself in what was a very freaky little game. It's a sort of 2D Metroidvania, you know, pa- uh, platformer looking thing, but every single level, every single detail of every diorama looking level is can move and change and be interacted with and then suddenly these monsters can't sort of they move like goop and then they turn into spikes and try and chase after you and stuff and they just morph out of the side of walls and things at the the moment you're not expecting them to and i just you know realistic horror games like resident evil and stuff i understand being you know jump scared and it's right there it's looks real it's scary it's gory or whatever pixel art is not like that yeah, so the fact that pixel art can be that scary is really kind of fun. Um, so I would check out Inmost um, if you if, when this goes out on on uh, on Monday. So you'll still have one more day of Steam Game Festival. You can still just get it and have a look. Um, and then the third one we mentioned. I don't know if we mentioned it on the pod or we mentioned it on the site. Wind Jammers Two. Twenty six years since the original Wind Jammers on the Neo Geo, which is a competitive frisbee game. Um, where it's, it's it's fantastic, so fast, so difficult, um, but just so much fun. Um, so you, you you're basically flinging a fr- frisbee across a small volleyball-looking um, court, and the court is tiny, absolutely tiny. So you can sort of roll dash across the whole court in in one button press, which you will need in order to be able to catch that frisbee coming back the other way, and then launch it back to against your uh, your opponent with some powered up frenzy attack or whatever. It's very hard to get to the point where you can catch that Frisbee and do anything with it. But when I did, it got very, very fun. Um, I think even more fun if you could play against a mate. If you think about air hockey tables, it's like an air hockey table. It doesn't matter that it's a Frisbee. It's just that sort of awesome back and forth. I don't normally like sports games, but I like arcade sports games like that. So, and yeah, I think there's there's hundreds more that deserve a mention, but I won't go into in any detail. Things like the Vulcaneer, um, where you fly as an eagle, you fly on the back of an eagle, um, and Yes Tomorrow, which was this sort of fez-looking thing, um, and with time time turning sort of powers, fantastic. The return of um, cyberpunk bartender action in Nirvana, um, which is the sequel to um, Valhalla. Yeah, there's there's so many great games. Chris Tales and the ones I mentioned as well um, on the horizon towards the end of this year and the beginning of next year in the indie scene. I'm glad I have a PC that can run most of them. I'll leave it there. Awesome. Thank you very much. In most is a game I'm not going to play. No, you may find it too freaky, but it is really good. (laughs) No, it's fine. No, it's fine. I can move on without it. It's it's perfectly fine. Uh, Sean, have you got anything to add? I am going to cut this list of 30 by a third. I'm going to talk about 10. <laughs> okay, so the first is X01. I know I've mentioned it before, but I finally got to play it. You play as this ball and you press the mouse button to go down and release to go up. And basically you fly across this alien like landscape to reach landmarks, which then shoot you off to another planet to do to do more of that. It is very chilled, very atmospheric. Uh, I have never been so chilled out as rhythmically pressing the button just to get like ramps and stuff. It is very, very cool. That's XO1. 
And next is Fights in Tight Spaces. So finally got my hands on it. It's a brilliant tactical card game. Uh, I am very impressed what they've done here. So each turn you get five cards, and for each card does something like move, step, sidestep, dash, which is two two steps, uh, takedowns, which is hitting somebody against furniture and things. And basically, you you have those five card five cards to use. So you don't get to move unless you use a card, and each enemy will indicate before your turn where they will attack next. So uh, a gunman will point down, and you'll get a, a like a, a target where it's going to hit. Uh, people with melee will let you know which square they're going to attack into. So basically, you can like maneuver out of the space where you're going to get hit, and push your friends into that that area to get hit. So push the enemies into that area. So it's very very cool. It's very difficult. Within the th- third mission, I was having to protect like a, an ambassador or something, and that was nails. But yeah, it's it's very cool, and I can't wait to play more. Uh, third game is called Mon Cage which is a game about a cube, but each side of the cube goes into a diff- different arena, like uh, environment. And the idea is to line up things within each side of the uh, cube so that they create solid objects. So in one side, you had like half a truck and in another side, you had a truck which was like buried in, in toys. And if you move the cage so that the perspective was that it was a full truck, the full truck would then materialize. It's like, I think it was Echo Chrome back on the PlayStation, where the perspective made things true. Uh, and it's very, very cool, and I can't wait for that to come out. Um, the, the next one is called Children of Silent Town, which is a point-and-click adventure. It's got a very cool art style. It's like a Tim Burton-esque feel to it. Uh, it's about um, a girl living in a, a town in the middle of a woods, and her friends are always going missing, and she starts having these dreams. So she basically goes out to investigate these people who are going to missing. And this this forest is full of wood. It's a point-and-click adventure. It looks really cool. And the demo is very fluid and one really ran very well on my laptop. So I can't wait for that one, actually. The next one's called Imagine Lifetimes, which is a bizarre little game. It's a like a visual novel slash life simulator. So they basically ask you questions about growing up and your life. So you type in, are you male? Um, what you like as a baby? Uh, what you did at school, how many friends you had, what your girlfriend was like, your boyfriend was like, whatever. And it's really dry, uh, but also quite funny. Um, there's not much interactivity. You basically have like one or two options to pick each time, but it is it is quite funny and it made me laugh a couple of times because it, it does get really, really dry. And that's that's a, one guy has been working on that game for four years. And the demo is is like super small, so you get a chance to check that out. The next one is one that I am very surprised Toby hasn't checked out. It's called Nine Lives Noir, which is a point-and-click adventure where you play as a cat detective in a noir life. I've seen this. I've seen this. Yes, of course you have. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just thought I, it's so like Backbone in a way, but um, yeah, a different art style. Yeah, it's not at all like Backbone. So Backbone's <laughs> obviously like gritty and and this is going really for the kind of humour. It's like a comedy point-and-click adventure, but kind of like a Monkey Island-style one rather than Backbone, which is, you know, visceral crime fighting and solving. But yeah, it's it's the I played about an hour and it was it was fun. So we're, we're taking a look. The next one, I've been waiting for this game for ages. It's called Metamorphosis and it's based on uh, Kafka's writings. Uh, so the metaphor is poem, some a guy wakes up and he's turned into a giant insect. But in the game, you play, it's a first-person adventure puzzle game, and instead of 
becoming a human-sized bug, you shrink down into a bug. So this, the game starts and you're in your own room and you find the key to your door, you open the door, and as you open the door, you step out and the corridor gets smaller and smaller until you go into another room, which is, like, very big. And then the next room, you are like, legs come out in front of the camera as you're walking and you turn into an insect and you crawl along. It is freaky. Um, I'm very interested to see if it carries on with Kafka's messages because Metamorphosis was a very symbolic story so i'm really interested in seeing what what they do with that i kind of hope they they keep the same messages but hey i'm i'm okay with if they're not because you know i've never played a game where you transform into a bug before so that should be cool the next one's called dinosaur fossil hunter which is a first person exploration game where you go to dig sites you find fossils you unearth them you pack them up you send them to your museum um, you customize them in displays and you'll learn about the dinosaur bones and the history of them. Uh, it's a really cool idea. It's kind of like Jurassic Park, uh, but it's got like a bit like education games, a kind of bit like uh, Beyond Blue. So every time you pick something up, you can learn about it. And it's on Kickstarter right now. So if that sounds like a jam, go and give it a look. That's called Dinosaur Fossil Hunter. Second to last is called Nuts. It's a first person narrative puzzle game about observing squirrels in a wood. Now, this game, I don't know if you remember, but you're like um, Firewatch. Before we all remembered the storyline in Firewatch, we all kind of saw the art style and were drawn in by the art style. I think that's what Nuts is doing because the art style is unlike anything I've ever seen before. It's like really solid colors uh, in the environment and then the complete opposite contrasting color for things that you can interact with. It's kind of really hard on the eyes at times, but... It's also really cool. And the game is just wild. Like you walk onto a wood, you put the camera down, you, you go back and then record footage of squirrels and send that off to your university. You then ask you to do more. But weird, weird things start to happen. So I'm very interested in what happens in the rest of that game. And lastly uh, is 100 Days. It's a winemaking strategy game. Now, I thought this was going to be like Theme Hospital or one of those down where you basically uh, line out fields and things like that. It's not like that at all it's a card based game which was a bit of a surprise um but basically it's really hard to understand as well because i think this demo came out way too early i think this is one of those ones where they were like oh crap we were going to show it at gamescom or something and we didn't get a chance so we're going to be in part of the, the steam summer sale or whatever and it's quite there's not much of a tutorial there so i didn't really understand what i was doing half the time but the art style's great and if they can if they can nail that introduction a bit better when the game comes out i'll definitely be there because it's it's a game about growing wine and, and owning a vineyard so it's something completely unusual but yeah it's it's just needs a bit of work before it can come out um, but I'm very much interested in that too. So those were the 10 games that I wanted to talk about of the 30 that I've got written down here. It's been an indie explosion this week, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yes. And there has been a lot of wonderful stuff to play. Do go to the uh, the Steam Summer Festival and get those demos downloaded if you are playing on PC because there's a lot to love. And, and you've only got Monday to do it. Let's move on to the quiz answers. Okay, then. Let's do this. Uh, question one. What is the name of the enigmatic race that acts as the main antagonists in Mass Effect 2? Greg? Uh, the Collectors. The Collectors is correct. I thought you were going to say like their proper name, and I was like, I don't know that much. No, no, just the Collectors will do. <laughs> uh, question two, which 2010 PS3 game holds the Guinness World Record for most players in a console first-person shooter with 256 players in a single match? Uh, Roscoe? Mag. Mag is correct. Because it's called awesome. Massively what was Massive Action Game. Game, yeah, yeah. I'll bring also accept massive action. Absolutely bring it back. Bring it back, cowards. <laughs> Just imagine how many plays they could get on with the PS4. Uh, oh, sorry, mate. PS5. 
<laughs> anyway, <laughs> okay. Question three: Rockstar Games published which new open world game in 2010? Toby, Red Dead Redemption Red One. That is correct. Red Dead Redemption. Well done. Um, is there a new open world game if Red Dead Revolver exists? Yeah, yeah. Re- Revolver wasn't open world. But it's still in the same franchise. It wasn't open world. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to get finickety about what this bullshit was last week. <laughs> no, no, no. I've, I've put down Redemption. I've just, I wanted to be yeah, sure. No, I, I want to clarify. It's, it's weird because it's Red, Redemption is always considered like the first one, isn't it? But obviously it comes from Revolver, but no one ever considers Revolver like part of it. Yeah, I, I had to I had to kind of amend that question because when I first asked asked it in my head, I looked up the answers and were like, huh, okay. They released Chinatown Wars and they released GTA four on PC and it was like there was lots of answers that could be. So I had to say new open world game just to make just to cover my own arse. I almost put I almost put LA Noir, but that was like two years later, wasn't it? Uh two thousand eleven. Yeah. Ooh, close. Close then, yeah. Okay, question four. Which Ubisoft published 2010 movie and graphic novel tie-in game won Best Adapted Video Game at the 2010 Spike Video Game Awards? Uh, Toby? No, I've got no idea. I've put uh, Raving Rabbids. <laughs> okay. Uh, Roscoe? It was uh, Spider-Man Shadow Dimensions. No. I'm afraid it was. And it was published by Activision, not Ubisoft. It was Scott Pilgrim versus The World. Uh... I did not win. Best adapted game in 2010s by Court. Yeah, he did. No, we didn't. We need to Google it now. I'm also going to Google it now. <laughs> Here we go. Google time. This is the world spike video game. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you're right. Okay, sorry. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was Spidey. Damn it. It was not one of best adapted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, I put, I put Prince of Persia, so, but I couldn't think of a graphic novel with Prince of Persia in it. I'm very, very sorry, Sean. Please continue. I apologise profusely. So can, we, can we not cut this out? <laughs> no, I'm not so, cut this out. I'm not so, so the the answer was Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Okay, question no, five. Um, that in, <laughs> they are they are aren't they? Was this? It was I they... Ubisoft uh, did a little winky face when someone tweeted about it, but that's all no, we know so far. Wait until Ubisoft event in July. We'll see it there. Excellent. Okay, question five. In 2010's action RPG Darksiders, which of the four horsemen of the apocalypse did you play as, Greg? War. War is correct. What is the good good for? Okay, question six. Sega and Obsidian published which 2010 action RPG that came with the tagline, The Espionage RPG? Toby? Alpha Protocol. Alpha Protocol is correct. Uh, Question seven. 2010 saw the release of two Pokemon games, Pokemon Heart Gold, and which other version of the game, Roscoe? Silver. Is that enough? Pokemon that isn't enough. Card Silver. No. Pokemon <laughs> Gold Silver. silver. Soul Silver is oh, the correct fuck answer. Off with that it's, shit. No, it's all one word, and I can't just accept silver. Sorry. I know this because at HMV, someone kept saying Heart and Soul. No, 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 no. It just gets my fucking nerves. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question eight. Which 2010 game got into a legal battle with the International Nanny Association because it contained a PlayStation 3 trophy and an Xbox 360 achievement titled Bad Nanny, which is awarded to the player for killing monsters resembling children? Toby. Dante's Inferno? Dante's Inferno is correct. Purgatory level, wasn't it? Yeah, the unbaptized children. Unbaptized. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember um, aiming for a platinum for that one. I don't know if I got it. I can't remember. I remember some of the marketing things. Like they sent 
musical boxes to some reviewers and they just wouldn't <laughs> shut up so they'd break them and it was like aha you've experienced wrath and it's like touche <laughs> nice they, they also had like peas protesters to turn up a t3 oh nice saying you you will go to hell if you play Dante's Inferno, so everyone played Dante's Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> Just okay. doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Question nine, game director Hideki Kamei. Oh, fuck's sake. It's, it's three syllables. I know it is. I know. Kameki? Hideki Kamei. Hideki Kamiki. Hideki Kamiki. He's taking a Mickey. Okay. Is he in Greece? <laughs> he believes the only failure he has ever had in his career was the handling of the PS3 port of which 2010 game, Greg? No, I fucked this one up. I put Bayonetta, but it's not, because that came out on the PS3. Yeah, that is the correct answer. What? When did it come out on first, then? It came out on both platforms at the same time, but the PS3 version was... Oh! So his only failure in his entire career is is the PS3. Oh, I was thinking Port as in something old. I was thinking, it's not Vanquish. No, no, it was developed. Vanquish, yeah. Ah, sweet. It was developed for the um, Xbox 360 and then ported to the PS3 to be released at the same time. The Xbox 360 version was better, but the PS3 version sold three times as much. So it had low times of like five minutes. Wow. <laughs> anyway, uh, question 10. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is set predominantly in which historic city? Uh, Roscoe. Montegrioni. Rome. Rome, yes. <laughs> oh, piss. I couldn't remember if it was Rome or Venice. Uh it was so, the city of Montegrioni in the in Montegrioni yeah. with the place you travel to outside of Rome. Seeing as he didn't give Rome as his first answer, no, oh, he's, he's, no <laughs> I don't care that much. So, if you wouldn't mind touching up your scores, Ooh. Roscoe, how many have you got? Five. Yeah, I'm okay, seven. Toby, seven. Seven. Greg, eight. Well done, Greg. Pulls further. Oh, wow, into- say that with a bit of enthusiasm. Please. No, no, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Well done, Greg. Well done, Greg. Oh, he's one of you. That's, that's such a Roscoe response. <laughs> no, what, that really wasn't like the way oh, I was going to cross. I was like, well done, Greg. I was going to follow up with He pulls further into the lead. Well done. Thank you very much, Sean. A pleasure. All right, let's finish off with Out This Week. And Out This Week, it's been delayed a few times, but Star Wars Episode One Racer is out on June 23rd on PS4, Switch, Xbox One, and PC. Pokemon Cafe Mix is coming to iOS and Switch on June 23rd, along with Ultra Core on the Nintendo Switch. And SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated is coming out on June 23rd on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Look out for my review on that tomorrow as we're recording this for today. Go and have a look at it now. It's out now. Uh, Doom Eternal is coming to Switch on June 23rd as well, along with the Duke Nukem 3D 20th Anniversary World Tour, which it currently is $3.99 or something like that on the Nintendo eShop if you really want to play more Duke Nukem. You gonna play more Duke Nukem, Sean? No. No, you done now. He's had his time. Uh, it's the same <laughs> version that came out on the PS3 like four years ago. This is actually the 24th anniversary edition. I see, yeah. Okay. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, June 24th, uh, Night Call comes out on Switch, Xbox One, and uh, PS4. The Tower of Time is coming to PS4 on June 24th. Power Roomy. I'm a Power Roomy. Oh, yeah, I reviewed that. Yeah, it's coming to PS4 on June 24th. Oh, wow. It's like Ikaruga. It's just as hard. <laughs> yeah, go look for our review of Power Roomy. One of Greg's very first reviews, actually, in yeah. the early days. Uh, June 25th, The Amazing The Messenger is coming to Xbox One. Yep. Um, Observations coming to Xbox One on June 25th as well. And Blair Witch is coming to Switch on June 25th also. Can we call it Blair Switch? Yes, we can. Yay! 
And yes, your grace is coming to uh, consoles on June 26th. Look out for Toby's review of that this week. And that's your lot. Yeah, there you go. Not a bad, uh, not a bad week for ye old video games. Thank you all very much, Steve, for listening. But thank you very much, Dean, if you stuck with us all the way to the end. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to head to our link tree in the description below to find us all over the social medias and Twitch and your podcast services. And if you really like us that much, hey, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For 83 pence a month, you can keep us going, keep the podcast up on all of its podcast services, keep the website alive and kicking, and keep us doing what we do, because I know you love us. I know you do. You won't admit it to anyone, but I know you love us. So, yeah, keep it going. So thank you very much indeed for listening, and we'll be back again next week, hopefully, with no technical issues and more gaming goodness to get into. <laughs> no controversy. <laughs> yeah, it's been a heated one this week, but I like it. That's what it should be, especially with these particular topics. So, it is goodbye from Mr. Kicks. It is. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It definitely, it absolutely is. I want to go to bed. Uh, it's goodbye from Mr. Toby Anderson. Sayonara. Goodbye from Mr. Sean Davies. Toodles. And goodbye from me. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Finger Guns Podcast. Yeah.